This is Shayla Adams Stafford, and you're listening to PBL in Practice. Thank you for tuning in to PBL in Practice, a weekly broadcast where we talk with top leaders in project-based learning from all over the country. We share successes, failures, and learn from each other. My name is Shayla Adams-Stafford, and I've been an educator for the past 10 years, focusing specifically on PBL. I had the chance to speak at the White House in 2015 to share how PBL looks in my classroom before a room of national leaders. I'm a member of the national faculty of PBL Works and a founder of Remix Education, a nonprofit that serves first-generation college-bound students. Really quickly before our show begins, head on over to www.shaylastafford.com to sign up to get more tips and great resources right to your inbox. So again, that's www.shaylastafford.com. You can listen to past episodes and get some great resources. Our guest for today is John Kelly, an eighth year, sixth grade science teacher from the beautiful Delaware, Ohio. He enjoys spending time outdoors with his wife, Sarah, four-year-old Clark, and two-year-old Parker whenever possible. John has a passion for finding the best tools that help him meet the diverse needs of his students. John's philosophy for learning is that each child is unique and each child learns in a different way. Let's hear from John. John, how are you? Doing well, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Thank you so much for Uh, joining us today and we just heard a little bit about your background so if you could tell us something that our listeners don't know about you. Yeah uh, I really enjoy food definitely bacon. Uh, Food is probably my favorite (laughs) thing. I enjoy cooking. Uh, I enjoy just being out in nature. Uh, One of my hobbies I really enjoy just uh, woodworking in my spare time. Um, I like using reclaimed wood uh, using reclaimed wood is really fun because it kind of saves the wood from a landfill or a burn pile and just breathes new life into it. Um, I'm also looking forward to a short-term mission trip I'm going on uh, at the end of June, beginning of July, where I'm going to spend nine days in Honduras. And I get to do a lot of work at an all-girls orphanage. And I also get to spend some time in a public school down there. And so what does a teacher do on their summer break? They go and teach some more, apparently. Um, but <laughs> really excited about it. Really dedicated teachers do that. So <laughs> we appreciate you. Appreciate your work. <laughs> and um, I was, you know, just thinking as you're saying how much you love bacon. I recently tried some vegan bacon and um, it was not hitting the spot. It was not, it wasn't the real thing. I'm sorry. It's a product of lies. <laughs> so, um, and no diss to vegans, no diss to vegans. It's just the, yeah. the bacon, it, it, it was, it didn't do it justice. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so tell us a little bit about your journey to PBL. What got you started down this road? Well, our uh, district is, has been kind of pushing teachers, not really pushing, but more encouraging uh, teachers to try project-based learning. And I'm really blessed to be in the district I am. We have a very supportive just team of teachers and administrators that encourage us to uh, just try new things. And anytime you try new things, you're going to fail. You're going to have those days where you're like, oh my goodness, that just backfired. 
and you don't have to worry about being criticized and it's just, it's so supportive. And, uh, and so it's very, it's very nice. We can, yeah, we can try new things. And, uh, I had a parent of a student I had last year who happens to work for the American Lung Association. And, uh, I invited her in, uh, to talk during our, um, our uh, cell unit and she gave a great uh, speech to it. And then afterwards she was like, Hey, I have this idea. And she went on this uh, conference out in California and uh, perhaps it was a colleague of hers that went, um, but in California right now with the wildfires, uh, the air quality in many parts of California is very poor. And so school districts uh, around those areas are doing different initiatives um, to get their schools to be idle free. And she came across a school district whose high school actually worked with their elementary age students. And um, it was a really cool PBL. And, um, and then the end result then was that the school adopted um, a policy or hung, I know they hung up signs, can't remember if it was an official policy or not, but basically just encouraging families to go idle free. And we thought, you know, that, that's such a neat unit. And anytime you can get the kids um, or neat idea, and anytime you can get kids out in the real world, solving real world issues, and it's just right. you know, and things that impact their life, their community. Um, I just think it's really neat. So she asked if I'd be interested. I said, absolutely. And uh, that was about a year ago. And um, so I said, you know, like, I think this could be big. Let's wait until the start of the next school year. And our philosophy was, hey, let's go big or go home. And so we, we went big and we met a couple of times during the summer um, and just brainstormed different ideas. And um, she also reached out to a colleague of hers at the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Committee. And the two gals named, they deserve a big shout out, is Brittany Sinzinger from uh, American Lung Association and Brooke White from Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Committee. They've been phenomenal. And so we just met, we talked about what we could do, how could we get the kids super involved and just the buy-in, and we went at it. So our first unit in science is um, we discuss uh, thinking Sciences. And so in that unit, we start talking about uh, kind of like the basics and we really hit the scientific method and we talk about different biases, different things like that. And so um, the first activity I want to do was to take them out at the end of the day. And I'm very fortunate that our schedule just works out where my four uh, science classes come back to me. Um, we rotate this last period of the day. So I have like Mondays is one class, Tuesdays is another class, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so we went out the last 40 minutes of the school day. So about two o'clock to two forty, and we observed the parking lot. So I broke them up into different groups to cover the entire parking lot. And our parking lot's pretty large because our mm-hmm. school, our middle school is pretty large. We have, we're getting close to 1300 middle schoolers. So grade six, seven, wow. and eight. So our building wow. Big and we have a lot of we have a lot of family, <laughs> a lot of a lot of cars in the parking lot essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh yeah, we went out and um and we broke them up and it was great because the gals from uh our my partners from Morpsey and American Lung Association came out and helped along with that. And uh and so right away when we got out there, 
we already had a dozen cars every day in the parking lot, most of which were idling and they idled for the entire 40 minutes. And, um, we had more cars coming in. Most of them were idling. Um, and so we were getting great data and the kids just be able to practice collecting data. Um, I thought was really cool and practicing observational science. So just being out there observing and not influencing what you're seeing. That was a big, uh, kind of like learning curve with that for the kids because they had to sit there and they had to be kind of unengaged with what they're studying, but also engaged at the same time by recording the data. So it was neat. And, uh, and so we went and the kids uh, found like the mean, median and mode. So we're connecting with math and uh, we made a bunch of graphs with their data and we kept referring to that data. And so finally, after all this data analysis, I just asked the question to the kids, you know, do you think Dempsey or middle school, do you think we have an idling problem? And right away they were like, you know, I think we do. It's okay. Well, what can we do to fix it? And, um, and so that's when we're really connected to the scientific method. So we identified our problem. Dempsey has an yeah. idling issue. And then our question was, how can we fix it? And so we decided to do research. And that's when our partnership, Morpsey and American Lung Association came in um, and gave wonderful presentations, just data to the point where it was almost like our building specifically that was essentially just down the road from us where their sensor is. And they were able to share um, central Ohio. So our school district is about 30 minutes North of Columbus, the capital city of Ohio. And they're able to share all the different air quality um, alerts that we've had and what influences it. And I found it super interesting. I was learning just as much as the kids were. Um, and, uh, and they really, great job of toning it down to the point where it's easily uh, digestible for the kids. And, um, and they were getting pretty excited. And so at the end of the presentations, at the end of all that, um, we said, okay, what's the next step? And we did the research. Now what? And so they came up with the idea of, well, we have to inform people. We got to, because they don't drive. They're in sixth grade. And uh, <laughs> so we got we to gotta let people know. And I said, okay, well, how do we do that? And being their generation, they automatically went to social media and yeah. uh, that is a great idea. And so um, we got our social media specialist at our school district involved, which the kids love because it's this lady, uh, her name's Jen Rury and she's the one that calls on the snow day. So every kid gets a phone call from her saying, Hey, you don't have school today because of snow. And so every time <laughs> she came in to talk to the kids, they're like, so we're not gonna have school tomorrow. Right. And uh, so it was pretty fun. Uh, but she had tons of data and I was learning just as much as the kids about what time most of our families are on Facebook and why our district chose mm -hmm. Facebook over the different social media platforms and Sony. And, uh, and she, yeah, it was, it was really cool. And so, um, with that, we went and we formed a Facebook page where it was myself and then my, uh, partners, uh, from the American Lung Association, Morpsey were the administrators of the account. And, uh, the American Lung Association Morphsy gave the kids a challenge. If you can get a hundred followers uh, by Christmas break, then there'd be a special prize. And within five days, uh, our kids had a hundred followers. <laughs> and, uh, and so they really <laughs> hit it hard and, um, and it was really neat. And, um, and so they, they end up getting like the most delicious kettle corn ever. The, the gal from America Lung Association made from at home and brought it in. It was awesome. Uh, <laughs> but our social media posts, you know, it was one of those things that I, I wasn't going to make the social media posts. The kids were. All I was doing was essentially just facilitating it and just posting it. And, um, 
And so we talked about, okay, what makes a good social media post? What, what hashtags should we use? Um, and just, you know, really just kind of interesting kind of the nuances of social media and what kind of voice should we have in our posts? How many times should we post a week? Um, and, uh, it was super interesting, um, to hear that, especially from our social media specialists and the kids bought in to it so well. And so that's when I started to really incorporate, uh, just my style of teaching. I like to use a lot of gamification, uh, strategies. Mm -hmm. And so on my class, the students are given different objectives to reach. And, um, and I really believe that you should give the kids really high expectations, something that you almost think is like too high of expectations, but then support them because a lot of times kids are going to rise up to that challenge and right. go beyond what you originally said. And, um, and so with that, that's when we broke up this project into four different levels. And so um, in each level, they got a badge and a badge is tied into their grade and different mm -hmm. things. Their first level was they had to recall the information They had to provide evidence. They could recall the importance of going Isla three. And so they had to do research. And then there's a fun game. I think it was on like a, a website called quizzes and, uh, and it's a great website and it's free. And so the kids had to go through that and um, score a certain like 90% on it. And once they got that, boom, that told me that, Hey, they know their stuff. They can recall the information. The next step they went and uh, they had to compare and really the an practice that analytical thinking. So they had to compare idling to a burning candle. And the idea with that was if you can compare it and explain it in a way, then you could probably teach somebody the importance of going um, idle free. And so we use Flipgrid for that. So that's a, another free video app that uh, limits the kids to just 90 seconds as well. So they had to really verbalize their message in a concise, clear way. And, um, once I did that, they got a badge and then we started to give the kids even more voice and choice. So to get that level three, they had to go and make a compelling argument. So, uh, to go idle free. And that's when we started really talking about our social media, um, pages. So they could create an infographic using Google drawings. Um, they could, uh, create, and we had different kind of types of posts. They could write a letter, um, to someone in, uh, that maybe they had and maybe a former teacher, someone in our district, something like that. So the, I guess I want to be really social media, be a different outlet, but then um, they could write another post. They could find an article that was interesting about idle free and post that with a little message with it. And it was just really neat to see. And uh, to a lot of kids, and this is what's neat about it is um, the kids had to opt in and had to buy in to do it. And um, I gave them that choice. You give them that choice. They're going to show so much ownership. Um, and then their last challenge to get level four, that's the hardest one. You had to change someone's behavior. And uh, so that's when you had to go out and collect pledges that someone was going to turn on their car after 30 seconds. So within 30 seconds, we found research that indicates that most cars, um, if it's under 10 seconds, I'm sorry, after 10 seconds, you should probably turn it off. And so we're giving them an extra 20 seconds. We said, if you go 30 seconds, you should turn off your car. And, um, and we gave them a team goal. So I have, um, about 110 students on my team and, uh, and we gave them a team goal of 250 total pledges. If they got that, then there's going to be a special prize for them. And, uh, so that was their goal. And that was intentional because I wanted to make sure that if they just went home and got mom and dad to make the pledges, that's awesome. Don't get me wrong. Um, but we wanted more than that. We wanted, we wanted to get them out of their comfort zone, get them stretch a little bit. And uh, we gave them that objective back in January. 
And it took a while. They got it at the end of April. They got two, their 250th pledge. I mean, these kids worked hard to get it. And it's hard work to convince someone to change their behavior and plus like make a commitment to it. Um, and it was really fun uh, to see, especially the social media aspect, because this started to grow. This story started to take like grow legs, I feel like. And um, <laughs> one of our news stations in Columbus caught wind of the project. And so they actually came up in, I believe, February, and uh, we had a wonderful news anchor, uh, Molly Brewer. She came up and um, ran a great piece uh, on the kids, spotlighting the kids and their efforts really just go out and, you know, just do that small thing of changing the world. Um, and, uh, and she interviewed a few of our kiddos, and they were so excited. And, uh, and sorry wonderful and then so from there i mean that's when things really took off and we we made a google form i had students make a google form that people could fill out uh to go idle free and it was kind of neat to see um we didn't put on the form originally like hey where are you from but uh people kind of tweeted at us or post on social media and we were getting responses from like michigan we got someone from maryland so it's like really we were focusing in on our community but we we're expanding even more, which we we're expanding our reach, which was so cool. The kids got so excited about that. And I was excited as well. Um, that that and, is yeah. amazing. John, there's so many uh, just really great elements of an awesome project that I heard of. And I just want to highlight them for our listeners. I, I loved, first of all, that you allowed the kids to create the driving question um, instead of just saying, how can we reduce you know, carbon emissions through X, Y, Z, you actually let them observe and let them create the driving question. And I think that is such a great way to um, spur inquiry with your students. And I love how you did that. I also really like how you were drawing in experts to really add the richness and, and promote inquiry, sustain inquiry with your students. So basically this concept of bringing in the the district's social media manager. That's an awesome idea because they have the metrics, like you were saying, on how many folks are using Facebook at what time to really help kind of lift their project to the next level. And I really love, <clears throat> excuse me, how you were learning right along this, right along with the students, um, just admitting that there were things that you didn't know and just you were kind of allowing the process to unfold and, and growing with them. So that's just awesome. John, that's, that's amazing. And the fact that you guys were able to make a national impact. I mean, I think that this project will stay with students um, throughout their educational career, for sure. And so many, tech, yeah, <laughs> so many tech products you use. Actually, I wanted to get into our next question and thinking about what has been the biggest challenge for you in implementing project-based learning. Uh, you know, there's so many times I felt like a first year teacher again. So, I mean, this is my eighth <laughs> year, so by no means am I like that grizzled vet, but, uh, there were so many times when I was doing this, I'm like, oh my goodness. And I had those days where I was like, oh goodness, this was a failure. Like we didn't get anything accomplished and uh, not too many of those, thank goodness. But, uh, I had a few of those, I'm like, cool, that was brutal. Um, and, uh, and, but then I just you know, I kept focusing in on what were the kids, what was the kids like really driving force? What was their motivation? What were they so focused on? And I really tried to like facilitate that and um, use that motivation to, to our advantage. And, um, and so really I was kind of stressing out over like making sure everyone had something to do and uh, making these lesson plans. But then I thought like, why? Like the kids know what they want to do and why, why not? 
like handcuff them, just let them do it, get out of their way and let them go out and be the change. And so uh, I shared with, in fact, just the other night, I shared with our uh, superintendent, I was like, I actually stopped making lesson plans on those days. And I would just go to class and, <laughs> say, and just say like, what do you want to do? And it was so weird to do to give up that control. But I mean, the results speak for themselves. And and I was very blessed again to just have such terrific kids. I mean, my goodness, uh, great kids and they just big hearts and yeah, just a wonderful year. Man, that, that's awesome. And, and I just was going to ask logistically, how did you carry it over as you progressed through the different units? Because I know that you mentioned this really focused on your first unit, which was thinking like a scientist. Did you just ultimately make this a year long project because you got so into it? Yeah, so we we've pretty much focused on it from um, September through probably end of March, beginning of April. And what we did is I would do hashtag idle free Friday. And so the kids were so excited to do this. Um, and, but like you said, I, I mean, I have to teach other sub or other content and um, it's like, all right, we're going to, we're going to allow you, I'm going to allow you to work on, on Fridays. And, and then it actually be, became a great incentive. And um, so I'd say, okay, on uh, they would ask a question like, all right, on Friday, let's discuss this. And honestly, I started to find um, different ways to connect. So we started with uh, how to think scientists, and then I moved into matter, and then we moved into like more of the physical science. So in matter, we started talking about mass, volume, density, things like that. And so I was able to connect some of the data, and I was able to go back to the data that uh, Morpsey and the American Lung Association shared with us. I was like, all right, guys, let's look at um, let's look at the particulates in the air. What does that mean? What when they say particulates, what does that mean exactly? And then we started able to focus in on okay, the properties of a gas, you know, they spread out. And so um, going back to that burning candle illustration, kitchen table, the smell just doesn't stay on the kitchen table; it spreads out throughout the room. Um, it's just those emissions don't just stay in that parking spot; they spread out to everywhere and so that really helped and so just little tidbits kind of here and there that was like actually this connects this connects this connects and then um which was really neat and then we jumped into our cell unit but even that there's that health component um that it's more of an extension um but i was able to connect and actually my partner from the american lung association came back and gave a little more detailed um presentation on emissions and the impact they have on your lungs. And, um, and part of that unit is how is your body organized? So cells make tissues, tissues make organs, organ systems, so on and so forth. And she was able to really connect like, you know, if your lungs are not performing well, what is that going to impact? And it was, it was really, it was really interesting to hear and just different uh, other initiatives that she's aware of that um, are going on in our area, which was really cool to hear as well. So uh, it's just so neat. This, this is interesting, and I I uh, I also wanted to ask how did this work in the winter? Because I can imagine Ohio is pretty cold. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, the winter the winter was tricky. Yeah, there was a few weeks. So, uh, full confession, we had quite a few snow days in January, and it was cold. We had a lot of cold days in January, um, and so when the news crew came. I was actually out for professional development the Monday and Tuesday before, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we had snow days and the news crew came the first five minutes of class on that Monday. So I had like no time to prep the kids and uh, I hadn't seen them in like 10 days. And the week before 
we didn't do idle free Friday because, um, we, uh, we just had to get some content in. And so it had been like, since like, I don't know, end of December or right before breaks, that's really dove into it. And I was kind of freaking out. I'm not going to lie. I was like, I'm ready to have a panic attack. I'm like, Oh no, what do these kids remember? Like an interview on TV. And, uh, I don't know why I was worried. Cause the kids, they just cared so much about it. So, um, they did a great job and, uh, yeah. it was wonderful. They always rise to the occasion. They made you look good. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I wanted to ask you, John, just, you gave so many great, just ideas i'm sure to our listeners about how they can really use inquiry use what's around them and really give students some voice and choice in using things that are um authentic to their lives social media um all of our lives honestly social media um what specific tools or tech tools would you recommend for our listeners to tap into you you mentioned a few of them but if you could just tell us a couple that really helped you with this project that you'd recommend to our listeners uh, I, I absolutely love using technology. I use quite a bit on a day-to-day basis. And so we use um, the LMS Canvas um, and it's a great product, but any kind of LMS you use, I highly encourage people to just stop before you even use it and think, what's the purpose? What am I trying to do? Because technology can be the ultimate enhancer and the greatest, me- the greatest management system too. And so um, you got to identify your purpose regardless of what you're doing. And so I always really focus in on, okay, what am I trying to do? And I'm always trying to relate something and like, or facilitate or innovate um, or create something. And, uh, and so with that, I really try to structure the content to meet the needs of every an individual learner. And every kid, as we know, brings different life experiences, different skill sets. And so um, when you walk into my classroom, I could have 30 kids, but they might be working on 30 different things. And so I use that technology to help me manage it. Um, so if you have a great LMS, truly use that, figure out the different nuances and how you can exactly use it to your advantage. And I highly recommend people automating the things that can be automated. Um, and that saves you so much time. Uh, and it used to be early in my career, I would give a test and it'd be maybe like, quite a bit multiple choice questions and I spent like all weekend grading the test different things and just having the time where the test can go and be graded automatically students get instant feedback that frees me up to think of like different creative innovative ways and more impactful ways to uh help build our learners and help them grow and then when they work on i think of like bloom's taxonomy so think of that top tier where they're like creating and creating a model of a cell creating a model of the rock cycle um when they do that i have the time to sit there and give them the quality feedback that they honestly deserve and i don't feel like i'm being pulled in a thousand different directions because i'm using the technology around me to really help free my time up does that make sense yeah absolutely absolutely technology is our friend (laughs) and so let's use it to make our lives easier (laughs) let's use it to make our lives easier so john tell us how we can keep in contact with you if we want to follow you on social media to keep up with these awesome projects how can we do that absolutely uh Twitter is the best way. Um, uh, my handle is Mr. Kelly. That's M R K E L L E Y six four. Uh, and 
love getting on Twitter and I use Twitter. Twitter's like my best professional development tool. I feel like, um, that's where I got the idea for badges and, uh, really just taking that off and, uh, absolutely love. And I highly recommend people dive into some kind of gamification and there's lots of just so neat, um, products out there and, uh, badging different things. My kids absolutely love it. And, uh, just, it's a game changer. Just that aspect alone has been a complete game changer. And this is the first year I really dove into that. Um, and now yeah. the kids keep asking me like, are, do other teachers do this next year? I really want this. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so <laughs> they do. I really hope they do. Cause it's, Oh, it's amazing. So, but again, Twitter, uh, MR Kelly six, four, um, love the getting different Twitter discussions. Awesome. Awesome. And so Jonathan, I want to make sure that you know about PBL Ohio, um, with PBL works and, all of your folks out in Delaware, Ohio, you got to bring them. It's really awesome. It's a great uh, conference that's put on by PBL Works annually, and I'll be there. And all of our listeners, PBL Ohio is a really, really great um, opportunity. And PBL World also. Um, so just wanted to shout out PBL Works and plug that as well. So thank you so much, John, and have a wonderful end of the school year and summer. <laughs> thank you. You too. I look forward to that PBL Ohio. That sounds awesome. Yes, yes. <laughs> awesome. Have a good one. You too. Thanks. No problem. Bye-bye. Bye. That's all for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I learned a lot. I hope you learned a lot. And I am looking forward to our next episode where we'll be chatting with other leaders from across the country just about how they're doing PBL in their space. If you could please head over to www.shaylastafford.com and sign up to receive more tips, more resources directly into your inbox by joining um, my newsletter. I would love that. Absolutely love that. We're going to have some really great guests coming up and we hope you stay with us. Have a good one. Bye.